1: Welcome to Make Money. Welcome to Cramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put in context. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Down with the tyranny of the tenure. We got to stop obsessing about the seemingly terrifying declines in treasury yields. Today's session was typical. The yield on the 10-year got hammered before the market opened, so the averages therefore got hammered, too, even as I did my best to protest that when I was on squawk on the street. Then as Treasury yields bounced back, stocks did, too, with the Dow closing down just 22 points. It had been down as much as 589. S&P up 0.08%, nice recovery from being down nearly 2%, and the Nasdaq also up 0.38% after being down about 1.7%. You know what I'm calling this? Today, I'm calling a huge win, for the bulls. Normally when you see this kind of wild action in bonds yields nose diving, it means a recession is right around the corner. But I think that's a profound misreading of the current situation. The truth is U.S. Treasuries are giving you a much better return than bonds from any other developed country right now. So if you live in Europe and you want a nice, low-risk, free return, you exchange your euros for dollars and buy some U.S. Treasuries. That drives our rates down. Call it globalization, collateral damage. Unfortunately, the rush of bond buyers from overseas is spooking the stock market. Stock traders see the action in bonds as a symptom of incredible weakness here, a moribund economy. In reality, I think it's a symptom of weakness abroad. One that actually strengthens our economy because lower long term interest rates are fabulous for a nation's financial health. Sure the dollar may be too strong, but that's nowhere near as, as negative as lower rates are positive. You want a mortgage aid, you want to finish a new core? Those rates just got a lot more enticing. So why the heck does the stock market sell off every time the yield on the tenure gets pulverized? And it probably will be again. Because there are tons of investors who get scared whenever they see interest rates moving sharply. You know what? In either direction? It's unnerving, usually means something has gone very awry. And look, they they, they may be right. I mean, you always have to take the bond market seriously. There's a real possibility that it's forecasting a serious economic slowdown. But it's also possible that we're simply seeing a demand shock as a flood of foreign buyers load up on U.S. Treasuries and investors here are getting spooked for all the wrong reasons. It's quite easy to do those kinds of trades now. When I was a hedge fund manager, it was very difficult to even buy, say, guilders or lira. Now it's like, here's how I see it. We know why the rest of the world's interest rates are plummeting. There's not enough demand for money in these countries, and their economies are stalling, especially China. Now, that's bad news for American companies that do lots of business overseas. I agree. We don't want to slow down the rest of the world. However, just because they're having a slowdown over there, it doesn't necessarily mean there's a slowdown over here. We don't necessarily import it. When you listen to all these macro commentators who look at the tenure and then use it to guess the strength of our economy, you think the sky was falling. Over and over again, they predict we'll be overwhelmed by the global weakness. That's why they think rates are going down. They're reflecting a flight to quality as investors seek safe assets in anticipation of a recession, coupled with a looming financial catastrophe, and less demand for money. These pundits tell me the bond market is never wrong. My view? I think the ball and smoke. I find the whole top-down approach to the economy be completely bewildering. I'm being an ambassador of goodwill there. Why make judgments based on the big-picture numbers when we have so many data points for actual companies that are far more accurate? I bet these doomsayers who fret about the tenure can't even name a hundred of the names in the s and 500. They can't even name a one Me, I live, eat, and breathe this stuff. That's why I prefer to take a bottoms-up approach to the economy. I listen to hundreds of different companies, and I synthesize their views. They're kind of a mosaic to get a sense of what's going on. I think my mosaic is better than their pastiche. So in keeping with my bottoms-up methodology, today I checked in with J.P. Morgan. Hey, I'm with the nation's largest bank. Always worth listening to. I got lucky. CEO Jamie Dimon on his annual bus tour. Hey, stop trading. The guy rides a bus. And he's currently canvassing the East Coast to take the pulse of our economy. Now, according to J.P. Morgan, well, here's what he's discovering. Credit, bus- credit card business still booming up 8%. Consumer lending is incredibly strong. Uh, charge-offs, meaning bad loans, continue to decline. That doesn't sound like a recession to me. It sounds like an expansion. While overall GDP growth has slowed slightly, and Jamie agrees with that, J.P. Morgan tells me that consumer spending has fractionally, get this, strengthened of late. Is anyone saying that? Well, the largest bank, only because I checked in with them it's not just this one company. While the bank stocks keep plummeting, almost all of the 25 largest banks in America say consumer credit is very strong. Uh, how about away from JP Morgan? All right, last week, mortgage applications increased by 5.3%. Refinancings were Up 12%. That's according to the American Mortgage Bankers Association. That's exactly what you would expect with treasury yields plummeting. That's a collateral positive. A 30-year fixed mortgage fell to its lowest level since November of 2016. I want to get one. How about you? It's great for housing, which punches above its weight in terms of economic growth. Does that sound like a recession to you? 3.7% unemployment rate, lowest in 50 years? Hey, put it all together. It's hard to believe we're really facing a severe slowdown, which is why I don't want you to panic when you see, like tomorrow, we come in and the rates are 1.4%. And it's probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen. Why do I care? Well, let's just pick a metaphor. I care because of CVS. All right? CVS. Stock up more than 7% today. After a terrific quarter, a game you would have missed if you were too focused on the tyranny of the 10-year. CVS, with its 6,200 stores, 300,000 people worked there, 300,000 employees, I regard it as a microcosm for the broader U.S. economy. Today, the company reported some incredible numbers. with sharply better than expected demand at both the front of the store and the pharmacy. Despite the looming threat of Amazon and the worries about pressure of drug prices, CVS is doing great company's crushing it with this acquisition of Edna, the big health insurance provider that so many had questioned when the company took on so much debt to buy it. When I spoke to CEO Larry Merlot this afternoon, he's one of my favorite executives, you know that, he talked about a robust consumer who comes in for a health product then goes out with front-of-the-store merchandise. Oh, and he's now offering in-home delivery, a pretty cheap subscription, which he says the millennials love. Whatever. Now, CBS has has a ton of debt from the Aetna deal, so they can potentially benefit from lower interest rates, just like a consumer who refinances their mortgage. The cash flow here is massive. There's a lot to like. Yet, if you listen to the macro commentators, it's like they can't tell CBS from CBS. All stocks might as well be the same, then. The basket of the S&P, well, it might as well be a basket of soy. They think they're all the same. Pieces of soy. Yeah, they're focused like a laser on the bond market and the Fed, endlessly with the Fed. Aren't you sick of the Fed? I'm sick of the Fed. Even the lower interest rates combined with lower gasoline prices that we know are coming should be a major boon for the consumer. No wonder people have more money to spend on health and beauty items at the drugstore. As for the tariffs, they don't seem to be hurting CBS Health customers at all. Business was strong across pretty much every aisle. Of course, that's just one example. Now, someone could say, Jim, but how about Disney? That disappointed. Imperfect quarter after roaring higher in recent months. Disney's story was never, though, about 2019. I told you over and over again, it's a 2021 story. Bottom line, don't let the talking heads blind you to everything that's going right, including lower interest rates. Sure, there's negatives here, but if you keep your eyes open, if you have some what I call situational awareness, if you're like Coach Belichick and you get the job done and know your assignment, then when you're waiting in line at CVS, maybe you're thinking, I should buy this stock. Oh, by the way, I think CVS's stock is worth buying at these levels after one of the greatest days in the company's history. The fact that the central banks in New Zealand and India just cut interest rates? Ooh, wow. Huh. Not that negative. Low rates will help turn their economies around. In the meantime, they're making cheaper to borrow money here in the United States, too. I don't know. I guess it's a lose-lose if you're stupid. It's a win-win, if you know what you're talking about. Alex in California, Alex. Hey, what's going on, Big Jim? Well, you know what, Alex? I'm tired of people being so darn negative.
2: I don't know about you. Hey, I completely agree. I got a great question for you on Amgen. Mm. Um, they've reported a great quarter, and I was just wondering what you think for the long term.
1: I think that their cancer portfolio is much better than I thought even six months ago. I am not happy with their distribution of Amovig, which is their migraine drug, because they didn't get the uh, right formulary. Uh, yields sweet percent. It's got uh, a very good balance sheet. My travel trust owns it. I would not sell it here. I would be a buyer at 12 times earnings. Not, and that's not buyer like buyer that mistakenly bought Monsanto. Drew, it's a stock joke. Drew in Florida. Drew. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. And shout out to the newest Eagle and USC alum, Jane A. Harris. Man, I'm, I'm like, everything I just heard. Prosperity. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, clear as day. Perfect. So I'm fairly new to stock trading. I was curious to
0: hear your thoughts on where you see Deutsche Bank heading. I know their earnings were rough, but is there reason to be optimistic given the restructuring?
1: No. No. I mean, if you want to go down there, just go buy some Santander. I mean, I like JP Morgan. Was I too emphatic? I'm looking at my executive producer. When I say no, sometimes I could equivocate, but I, there's no reason to if I say no. It was, it was clipped. I was clipped. I, I, I meant to say no, I wouldn't buy it. I thought it was sometimes more emphatic to say no. Ron in Florida, Ron. Jim, first time, long time.
0: Wanna I love give this you a big long.
1: market up and down booyah. All right. I like that. See, that's creative. That's creativity. It's like Adobe. Go ahead. Yeah, my stock is Outfront Media, ticker symbol O-U-T.
3: You
2: had the CEO on your show a little while back. I like what I heard. Did my homework and bought some stock. Had a nice little run. Just reported a good quarter, 5.3% dividend. I'd like to know what you think
1: about them at the level they're at now. I, I like it. I, I like them. I think that you're de- dead right. and uh, The numbers were really pretty good. They were better than expected, and I think you got a good one. And by the way, just so we know, I did not mean to be clipped to Drew, because Drew called in and deserves better than just no. I just didn't want him to speculate. On a day when J.P. Morgan stock is down badly, I would prefer J.P. Morgan than Deutsche Bank. And I'm sorry, Jamie, that I put those two in the same sentence. I think you'll accept my apologies, but we won't be dining in the Hamptons together. The 10-year, the 10-year, the 10-year. The tyranny of the 10-year. The 10 years the coming. It's like a poor veer, okay? Well, we're like poor veer in the raiders. Anyway, if you keep your eyes open, you'll realize in America, lower rates are actually positive, not negative. Unless we're bizarre, me like a muggle, we me put out well, well, wings victory. Remember that? the Arms on Vetus de Milo. Okay, I'll well, get those on. Get the arms. Um, I am tired of hearing about all this defeatism, by the way. I'm getting real and examining where your money is safest. Then shares of Bausch Health took a tumble after reporting a mixed quarter. I'm going to sit down with the CEO to find out. We can maybe get a little clarity like the lenses. And uh, I've got the exclusive with the only cannabis stock that's received FDA approval. GW Performance being brought down because it's in these ETS with all the other guys, you know. We're going to uh, THC this situation. So stick with me. If I have to hear one more commentator explain how there's no way we can win the trade war, I'm going to smash my head against this wall. Look, I get that the stock market will be higher without the tariffs, maybe substantially higher. Even though I believe it's necessary to crack down on China's unfair trade practices, I've never had any illusions about what it might mean for our economy in the short term. Short term. But so much of the media buys into this myth that America is a pitiful, helpless giant, while China is a crouching tiger ready to rip our throats out. I say enough already. As I've explained over and over again, the trade war hurts them a heck of a lot more than it hurts us. Frankly, I've been amazed at how little impact the tariffs are having on American consumers, whom we just know are spending more. I mean, I have lots of data that says they're spending more than they were a year ago. I know this will get worse when the next round goes into effect in roughly three weeks. But so far, the price increases have been minimal, not really, not, not perceptible. Our retailers are desperately trying to convince the president to back off on these new tariffs. So they're making noises. The prices will go up come September. I hear them. I'm not sure I believe them, though. Retail is so competitive in this country, it's a viciously deflationary environment, thanks to the power of WATCH, my acronym for Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. Second, we're seeing a true mass exodus of jobs from China. Ironically, this business is mostly flowing into Vietnam and South Korea, happening much faster than the Chinese government can handle. In Korea, it's just a matter of turning the jets on. They've got the infrastructure. In Vietnam, it's a lack of infrastructure. But just wait till they build it out. This country of 100 million people can really do what it needs to do. By the way, not that great a friend of China. Another irony, if the president were to spend some time in South Korea and Vietnam offering to help them compete against the Chinese so they help us compete, it would really help a lot. Maybe he should have signed the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The whole point was to unite many different countries in a trading block that excluded the Chinese. Maybe he should just create a coalition. I mean, my broader point is that we spent a lot of time obsessing over what could go wrong with the trade war not nearly enough time imagining what could go right. Maybe there's bias here. I'm not talking about negotiations with China. They're going nowhere. I mean, what happens if President Trump decides to stop going his own way? What if he convenes a golf match at Bedminster, uh, world leaders to cooperate against China? Their predatory trade practices affect most of our countries, uh, most of the allies, and frankly, actually worse than ours. The sticking point is that the president wants to fix all these trade imbalances at once. So instead of tolerating European chicanery, they keep dumping cars here. He's confining them and makes it harder to assemble much of a coalition. Still, for all the hand-wringing, this trade war is doing serious damage to the Chinese economy, which lives or dies based on the strength of the country's exports, not its imports. But it's not hurting us much at all. Let me throw one last example at you. We keep hearing about how China's targeting American farmers, how they're going to devastate ag. I know plenty of farmers are losing business here. I don't want to minimize what they're going through. But, man, go look at the charts of Deer or Agco. Even after getting hammered over the past week and a half, they're both up very substantially. I don't know. That shouldn't be happening if farmers are going to do okay. More importantly, if our farmers really get hurt, you know the federal government will bail them out. Nobody ever lost their seat in Congress by voting for a farm subsidy. So I don't want to hear any more defeatism, and you won't get any on this show. Worst case, we get pure victory or a stalemate. where We're incrementally worse off than we would have been without the tariffs. Best case, China finally decides to change its more than pernicious ways and compromises with us, and our stock market takes off, perhaps sadly, without you. Let's go to Kelly in Texas, please. Kelly. Yes,
0: Jim. Hey, I was curious. I'm calling from a drilling rig out here in West Texas in the Permian Basin, and my question is about Slumberjay. My question would be, do we
1: hold it for the dividend protection? Do we buy it at a discount, or we just cut and run on it? My travel trust owns it. It's really, I never thought I'd ever say this, because I've been in love with the company ever since 1982, when I was looking to get a job there. And Slumberjay, again, uh, a low, 5.7% yield. They told a very good story, but people do not, these companies are not spending like they thought of, and the international countries aren't spending. Uh, so, the answer is, I don't want you in my house of pain. House of pain. It's just crowded enough already. Let's go to Stuart and Marilyn. Stuart. Yeah, we yeah, are Jim. I'm
3: a long time uh, watcher and a first time caller. All right. Uh, what is your opinion? <laughs> What is your opinion of Burlington stores? I,
1: I want to thank uh, I thank Matthew Boss for introducing me to the company. This is a company. Remember, I think that the theory of retail right now, it's either online or off-priced. You have to be one or the other. Burlington's the king of off-price. That's not just because of Tom Kingsbury, who is the CEO, but he's outgoing. I think you buy Burlington and you buy it right here. Ah! Bye, bye, bye. It's a perfect one to buy when you're looking at what's going on with retail. I need to go to Brian in Michigan. Please, Brian.
4: Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Okay. Long time, third time. With the price near a 52-week low and returning a 5% dividend, what are your thoughts on the Simon Property Group?
1: Man, that's David Simon. He's real good. I I, I know that you're probably tempted to think that they can't cover that dividend, and I know that the malls are really under stress. They do have really good, really good malls. I'd love to have David on. I, I think he will tell a very good story, but I don't want to put words in his mouth because a lot of the retailers, like Tanger Factory's, nine percent yield now. Uh, that just keeps going down. So let's do. Let's have. Let's invite him on. He is probably the best guy in that particular end of retail, brick and mortar. As American capitalism finds a way to beat crony capitalism, you're safer in U.S. stocks than you think. Much more mad at it. Looking for a stock that could withstand the market's whipsaw action? I'm buying one that I think should be up, not down. balsh Health. Then, GW Pharma is smoking hot. Shares are up more than 9% today. Can it go even higher? Let me talk to the CEO. And Another hot play in the fight for a cure, up 100% in the last year. Tandem Diabetes. Wow, it's an all-healthcare night here on Mad Money. So stay with Kramer. In a turbulent market like we have, you normally want to hide in safe, consistent places, like the drug companies. But with the pharmaceutical industry increasingly unpopular in Washington... Uh, let's say the group's become less of a safe haven. And that's not the only complicating factor. Yesterday, one of my favorites, Bausch, well, since the change of management, Bausch Health Companies, the drug business formerly known as Valiant, reported a mixed quarter. They posted a small three-cent earnings beat, uh, miss of a $1.06 basis. That's a very small miss, but we're going to talk about that. Slightly higher than expected sales, up 1% year-over-year. That's more important. While it wasn't a perfect quarter, it was pretty darn solid. Their biggest division, Bausch and Loma International, saw 4% organic growth. That's sensational. did take a serious hit from the strong dollar. More importantly, management raised their full year forecast. Yet nobody seemed to care, and the stock actually got hit. What was otherwise a good day for the market? Now, CEO Joe Papa has engineered a terrific turnaround at Balch, but lately the stock's momentum has stalled. What will get this thing back in action? Let's take a closer look with Joe Papa. He's the chairman and CEO of Balch Health Companies. Find out more about the quarter where his company's headed. Mr. Papa, welcome back to Made Money. Good to see you, Joe. Good to see you. you. Well, you know, I was confused. Uh, I read it in a vacuum. I like to read the headlines in a vacuum. I like to read the stories in a vacuum. And then I look at the stock price. I don't like to be swayed by it. I thought your stock would be up maybe a percent, maybe two percent, because sixth straight quarter, huge organic growth, much better than most of the pharmaceutical industry, pay down debt. Tell me what I'm missing. Well, I don't think you're missing. I think you got
3: exactly what was happening there. Uh, We labeled 2019 as the pivot to offense. Right. And indeed, that's exactly what we've done. We've had now six consecutive quarters of organic growth. This quarter is up 3%. And importantly, as you mentioned, our biggest... Segments in the company are the Salix business mm-hmm. and the Bauchanlon business. Uh, those two together represent approximately 80% of my sales now, so they're by far the majority, and they're up about 6%. So clearly, we're still going art. in the right direction. Well,
1: these are not new products yeah. So although the packaging's new, and I think that. We used to say that it was the Mercedes brands, and whatever Valiant did, it didn't hurt these.
3: No, Bausch Lomb's got a great reputation out it's there. This Bio-Tru. is done really really well. Uh, it's a leading product now in the area for the multipurpose solution. Uh, the contact lenses. Our contact lenses, we had a situation in the United States where we are up... Uh, for now 11 consecutive quarters in terms of growth. And the, our Bausch and Lomb business was up about 13% in the United States. The market was only up about 8%. So we're significantly outgrowing the market, taking share. And, and that's why we're excited about what it's working on. With
1: are, this you, company. W- are you concerned by, about these uh, subscription products where they're sent right to your house daily? The, the daily end. Yeah.
3: I, we're, you know, We think that that's something that we have to keep an eye on don't in terms you? of the e-commerce. You don't want to get Absolutely. beaten by an
1: e-commerce player.
3: Absolutely. We're looking at it, and we're looking at what's best for our programs and our activity. But we think it fundamentally comes down to if you have a good product with good optics, comfort for the patient, we're going to do well with our patients. Totally. And, and that's what's happened. And that's why we had 11 consecutive quarters there of growth there.
1: Well, it, also in terms of your pivot, I've noticed the bump up in R&D spending and, of course, new products. You've brought one. I think that your R&D's working. It
3: it is. It is. And when I I joined three years ago, Jim, I said there's three things I have to do. Number one, I've got to reduce the debt. We've reduced debt by $8 billion. Number two, I said I'm going to invest in research and development. And last quarter, we were up about 24% in research and development versus the previous year. So clearly we're doing that. And the third thing I said we have to do is launch new products. Over the last 18 months, we've launched more than nine key products. So it's clearly going in the right direction. I am really pleased. This is our Uh, Duobri product. We we just launched this one last month and it is doing outstanding. Already in just the first five weeks that the product's Mm -hmm. been on the market it's already generating about 1700 prescriptions per week. Wow! It's one of the fastest growing topical products in dermatology that's ever been launched albeit only at five weeks but we see really good things because it gives the promise of being able to treat patients until the skin is clear rather than being limited for a certain duration of time. That's what we think is really no, I, exciting
1: about Duobri. I know that this is, uh, you know, geez, for personal use, I've got all these, but we typically use steroids, yep. uh, but you're always told they thin your skin. And that's the scariest thing in the world. For, but you've got a before and after picture. What, of what this did for someone, and it is you just ride it out.
3: It's striking. It's striking. It's for, because it has the combination of the high-potency mm-hmm. that works to help the psoriasis, but it also has, in our case, tisertine, uh, a retinoid that helps keep the skin from thinning out. The combination has been very important, and doctors, I was out working with the sales reps, talking to some of the doctors, they very much believe this is going to be a real important patient for any patient who has psoriasis.
1: Right, I just hope there's awareness, enough awareness for it, because people
3: have given up. Well, you you're absolutely right. But what we've done, a lot of research with patients, we found that 90% of the patients who have psoriasis are looking for something new and will try something new. We think this is going to be one of the important things for those patients.
1: Right, let's go back to the, the debt. I mean, everyone is still concerned because you don't have a dividend, the buyback, and they want that in a, in a kind of a choppy market. But what I was concerned about, you managed to make it so the debt payment schedule is much less onerous, correct? Absolutely. Um, my CFO, Paul Herding has done a wonderful He's job. He's a very smart guy, that guy. He's
3: done a great job in reducing the, both the quantum of debt, right. but importantly, moving the duration out. To get us, we don't have any real significant debt now until 2023. And what that means is that we have the ability to invest behind our products by investing in those products, getting good return for our shareholders, and to drive long-term
1: shareholder value. Okay, so tell me when you uh, listen to the the politicians talk, uh, both Democrat and Republican. Does it give you shivers? Um, I I think that
3: the pharmaceuticals in the end are going to be the reason why they are the most cost-effective way to treat health and to improve health. So do I accept there's going to be some, you know, whitewater rafting in terms of rapids? Yes. But the reality is, in the long term, pharmaceuticals are the most cost-effective area for treating health, and I think we'll do okay. I absolutely know there'll be some noise along the way.
1: Well, look, I, I think that you tell a very compelling story, and there's a lot of drug stocks that trade off their yield of 3%. That's not a lot of protection in this market, even with the, with the rates as low as they are. I want growth. You're giving people growth. That's Joe Papa, CEO and chairman of Bausch Health. The turnaround continues. I think you're getting us at much more of a discount than you should be able to. They have back yet. Tomorrow.
4: Kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
1: Now, David, we're, here's something that happens even with interests like this. We have to tease a commercial. Yes, we do. Even under these, these frightening circumstances, we have to go do commerce. They're not, they're not particularly frightening, of course, uh, at this point, but they are fascinating. Check
3: them.
4: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: Look at Kramer Fave GW Pharma Run. Here's a terrific drug company that makes cannabis-inspired medicine. It's not uh, medicinal marijuana. It's real pharmaceuticals that can be accurately dosed by real doctors. But because it's generally considered to be part of the same universe as the much more sketchy weed companies, GW Pharma has ended up in some cannabis ETFs. Now that the market has turned against the group, this well-run drug company has been punished, even though it's not actually in the marijuana business. Last year, GW Pharma uh, received the first and only FDA approval for a pharmaceutical formulation of uh, uh, (laughs) plant-derived cannabidiol, sorry, better known as CBD. That's what I'm going to call it, CBD. Their drug, Epidiolex, is a fabulous treatment for seizures, and it turns out it's selling incredibly well. When GW Pharma reported last night, the company knocked it out of the park. They did $72 million in sales. When Wall Street was only looking for $47 million, what a beat! That's 21 cents of earnings per share. The analysts have to do them barely to break even. No wonder the stock rocketed higher. It surged more than 9% today. I think it's got more room to run, though, given that it's still down 30 bucks from its highs in May, thanks to this cannabis contagion. But don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Justin Gover. He's the CEO of GW Pharmaceuticals. get a better sense of the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Gover, welcome back to Mad Money.
0: Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me back again.
1: Uh, Justin, you, you probably have a, I don't want to say a laugh, because you're a very serious guy and a very serious business, but somehow, because of these ETFs, you're part of a cohort that really has nothing to do with you. If anything, you're a major pharmaceutical company with a lot of goals. Do you agree with me?
0: I do, and all we can do, Jim, is continue to deliver on the promise of Epidiolex and our pipeline. If you think when I was last on this show in, the, in Q1, we've now hit six months of revenue for Epidiolex, over $100 million in the first six months of 2019, over 12,000 patients receiving drug, over 2,500 physicians prescribing. By any measure, we're a company delivering, and obviously we're hopeful that the market will appreciate that.
1: Well, Justin, on this conference call, it's very interesting. Darren Klein, your U.S. Chief Commercial Officer, who is excellent, at one point actually says, look, you're just beginning to learn the dosing. It does seem to me that the awareness is still in its infancy if That's what we're worrying about dosing, and that it's only going to get much, much bigger than it is right now.
0: Yeah, six months into this uh, launch, I think we're very satisfied with the level of awareness but there's certainly education to do around explaining what this medicine does, how it, how it works, the types of patients for whom it can benefit, how to dose it, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, we're really at the beginning of, of this journey. And given that we're six months in and the progress we've made, if I look forward six months from now or several years from now, there is so much room for this product to grow in the marketplace.
1: Why are you the only guy who really has it? I mean, we've had all the cannabis companies from Canada, and nobody seems to be able to replicate what you do. What's the secret sauce behind GW Pharmaceuticals?
0: Well, this is not a product that has emerged quickly. GW has been 20 years in the making, and what it has required is real rigorous science, science around safety of CBD, efficacy in certain patients, manufacturing to consistent standards. None of that is simple, and all of it takes time. And so whilst we stand alone, I think we've earned that right to sort of set ourselves apart from the pack because we've been doing this for such a long time. And what we're offering to patients and physicians is quite distinct from other cannabis-based products. This is a rigorously tested, appropriately manufactured FDA-approved pharmaceutical that patients can obtain through insurance coverage with all the hallmarks of a modern medication that they expect from any other type of medication that they would seek to take.
1: Now, if if someone has adult-onset epilepsy, are they allowed to take your drug?
0: For patients uh, who, of course, have uh, epilepsy associated with the approved syndromes within epilepsy, Um, There is easy access for those patients on insurance. Physicians have the discretion to be able to prescribe this medication uh, within the field of epilepsy. But, of course, that is not for our company to be able to promote, and it's really a judgment call for physicians to be able to make in their own discretion. So I do need to be cautious about uh, how I describe the utilization of the drug But as I would say, within the field of epilepsy, this is a first-in-class treatment, a new approach within highly treatment-resistant forms of of epilepsy, and it's clearly making its mark within the epilepsy field.
1: Now, I also thought in your comp school, you're starting now to talk a lot more about Sativex, and what that would do, uh, this is an MS uh, drug that has a, I would say, a much bigger total
0: addressable market. Would you agree? Well, the, if we think about Epidiolex and what it means as a historic first approval of FDA-approved plant-based cannabinoid medication, it's put GW at the forefront of looking at cannabinoids in other conditions. Sativex is approved outside the U.S. in the field of MS. And so it makes very clear sense for that to be the next priority for the company. So we absolutely are turning our attention to Sativex in the field of MS, and not just Sativex, of course. We are looking into psychiatric conditions, other neurological conditions as well. I think the world has really started to see that cannabinoids can play a role across a range of diseases, particularly within neurology. And so Sativex is just the next in what we hope to be a series of new pipeline programs coming to FDA in the years ahead.
1: Now, that's incredibly exciting. I think it's important to point out that uh, Sativex is not just uh, CBD. It's also got THC. Now, a lot of the legislators have always been scared of THC, but this is, THC is very valuable in terms of what it does with these illnesses, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I think THC in an appropriate dosage form, it's THC and CBD and other plant components in an oral mucosal, so mouth spray. It's carefully titrated to make sure we don't get THC like. Highs mm-hmm. in terms of the patient uh, response. So it, the trick with THC is to make sure the dosing is consistent and moderated in a way that you get some of the therapeutic benefits without the unwanted side effects. And we think Sativex is the formulation that is a, enables us to achieve that goal. Well,
1: Justin, your breath of fresh air. I, I, look, I like a lot of the cannabis executives, but I like science, I like medicine, I like rigor, and you've got them all. Justin Gober is the CEO of GW Pharmaceuticals. Thank you, sir. Thank you. This one's not done. They have way too much in the pipeline. It's one of the most exciting drug stocks out there. They have moneys back into It is time) <laughs> <laughs> And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skig? Daddy, it's for the lightning round, because I'm going to go with Fiona in California. Fiona.
2: Hi, this is Fiona's mom, Tracy. I want to introduce you to Fiona and her friend, Isabella. They're 12 years old from San Francisco, and they have a question.
1: 12 years Hi, old. Hi, Kramer. Oh, I thought children didn't care about the stock market because they like index funds. How can I help? I'm Fiona, and I'm 12 years old,
4: and our brothers are big gamers. And we want to know if you think we should invest our babysitting and dog walking money in Activision before it reports
1: on well, I love kids. Babysitting and dog walking money. How come on, I don't get money walking the dog? Okay, here's the deal. Activision Blizzard, no. We're going to be in Take-Two Interactive. Strauss has got, got a better portfolio. And that's the one. you Remember, it's Grand Theft Auto, but it's also Red Dead, It's also N, uh, NBA 2K uh, and Borderlands. That's where we're going. Okay, we're going to Adrian now Massachusetts. Adrian.
0: Hello. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Adrian, How about you? Uh, good. I wanted to ask about Pivotal PVPL. Uh, I bought it after, I know, after the last earnings announcement, and it has just continued to go down this whole time.
1: I'm curious if you think it's a hold or sell. Um, I don't, you know, this is down almost 50%. I Actually, you know what? The, CEO, the chairman is actually pretty good. Huh? you got to wait for a bounce. I can't just tell you to get rid of it here. It's too... That's just too uh, masochistic. Let, let's wait a little bit for bounce, but then you got to go. There's nothing there. Let's go to Bill in Pennsylvania. Bill! Hey, Jim. Biggest booyah from Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, with the recent pivot to uh, more solutions-based products and a near 20% drop from its all-time high, is Emerson Electric a buy? Uh, kind of downbeat conference call. Not that great a quarter. Not that bad. Uh, 3.2% yield, probably doesn't cover it really bad in terms of growth in China. Uh, I'm going to say we take a pass until it gets to 3.5% yield, get a little accidental mojo uh, going there. Let's go to Gary in Connecticut. Gary! Hey Jim, how are you? About 10 years ago, I purchased Barnes Group stock for
3: $14 a share, and earlier this year it shot up to 72 It closed today at 45 What's your what's your opinion of the company? This, a, the this is so a
1: bread-and-butter manufacturing company with a lot of aerospace to it. And uh, I have just mentioned that Emerson, I didn't like here, it, so it's, like, really hard for me to say buy Barnes here if I felt that Emerson could go lower. This one could go lower still before it finds a bottom. Maggie in Ohio. Maggie. Hi, Jim. I've been with you since your radio show. Wow. Old as the hills. Hi. What's up? Uh, I know. Well, I was very young at the time. You and me both, Listen, partner. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Salesforce. I mean, No, no, come on, on we know quarter, what to do. There's... We begin to buy more. It's above buy our basis buy 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 for buy buy our, buy buy buy. the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Buy buy but I buy buy. think that Salesforce is terrific. Don't we lose faith in Keith Block and uh, Mark Benioff? I think that'd be a big stake. Benioff's new book coming out. we got Dreamforce coming up. What more can I say? All right, I need to go to Liberty in Illinois. Liberty! Dr. Kramer, this is Chris in Illinois. From one professor to another, I want to say yeah!" I like that. I, I like the collegiality the of that. Client. Okay, what's up? yeah! That's Liberty. How can I help?
4: Um, this is Liberty from Lake Forest, Illinois. Right. I'm ten years old and my stock is
1: Mattel. Hey, uh, Liberty give me Liberty and give me Hasbro. Okay? Uh, because I think that Mattel is a second class Hasbro. And that, ladies and conclusions, up that. Lightning Round!
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: In a difficult moment, I want to keep circling back to the stocks of high-quality companies that we know are in great shape because they just reported excellent numbers. Companies like Tandem Diabetes Care, which makes high-tech insulin pumps that diabetics can monitor and control be a mobile app. When you combine their product with a continuous glucose monitor, like the kind that we always talk about, Dexcom, which has been a good stock, by the way, it's almost like having an artificial pancreas. Now, Tanner has been an incredible long term performer, emphasis on long term. The last time we spoke with the company in early March, the stock had rallied nearly two. 1,000% over the previous year. Yeah, that's right. Just over the course of January and February, the darn thing doubled. I was worried that Tandem might need to take some time to cool off after such an epic move. And sure enough, the stock has spent the last few months trading in a pretty tight range. It's actually down 15 bucks from its highs in March. And now that it's pulled back, I think it's kind of looking pretty attractive. Especially since Tannen reported a fabulous quarter last Thursday night, something that's gone mostly unnoticed thanks to the market meltdown. The company delivered a monster top-in-line beat, a bottom-line beat. Sales of 173 percent year over year. In response, the stock immediately popped 8 percent on Friday, but it's now giving back every penny of those gains and then some thanks to the sell-off. In other words, you're actually getting the unbelievable ball quarter for free. So let's check in with Kim Blickenstaff. He's the executive chairman of Tandem Diabetes Care. I know more about these results and what they mean for the future of his company. Mr. Blickenstaff, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Thanks, Jim. I appreciate being here again today.
1: All right, Kim, I have to tell you that the analysts were dazzled. Uh, BMO was saying it's probably the greatest beat ever. All these guys were uh, going, just going nuts. Do you think that what happened, I know I can't actually talk about stocks, that's me, but there uh, was a muted response in terms of the stocks. Could that just be, your company's stock has had such an incredible run that everybody already knows how great the company's doing?
2: Well, I would say in your opening comments, you sort of had a correct. There was just so much global uncertainty in this earnings period, and, and Disney missed as well. And so I think there's just some, you know, investor sort of uh, hesitation now. People are wondering whether we're headed into a recession. It has nothing to do with what we're doing. We don't sell in China. We don't make in China. All of our fundamentals are intact. And, in fact, our uh, year-over-year sales rates uh, in Q2 accelerated from Q1. So we're in an acceleration mode, and I don't think people really appreciate that yet.
1: Well, I searched for reasons, and I started thinking a high-quality problem. Is it possible that demand is too great and you can't meet it?
2: Oh, absolutely not. I mean, that that, that is probably the only thing under our control that could um, disrupt this growth. And we've been looking at this. We've been looking at internal projections. And we have a very, very solid manufacturing team. We're prepared for the demand. And we have you know, uh, ranges of volume that we think we need to get to to stay on track and handle all this growth.
1: A lot of talk, of course, about where people build manufacturing. I saw that you put it in Boise. Yeah. Could you have done it in China and you decided to do it in Boise because of the new regime in Washington?
2: No, actually, what's going to Bo- Boise is a customer support uh, group. Uh, uh, that, that's a very attractive area. We want to build within the time zones where we, we serve customers. So that's not manufacturing. The manufacturing is here in San Diego. Sure, we could go to China, but we haven't. We need to control the product quality. That's very important. This is a very unique device. And we need to have our manufacturing near our development engineers so there's proper coordination and, and good uh, focus on quality. So, so that's you, why it's here. Okay. So you,
1: you think that uh, it's possible that if you want great quality, you have to make it in America?
2: That's the way I feel about this particular product, absolutely. This is not a a, a cookie-cutter, generic kind of a product. I mean, it's very complex, and the engineering changes constantly as we make improvements.
1: All right, so, Kim, tell me how you get accelerated revenue. Is that because of the partnership with Dexcom? Is that because of awareness? Because I feel a lot of people don't know that you do indeed have the best mousetrap.
2: Well, yeah, We talked about this last time. Only about uh, uh, 30% of type 1 diabetics are using a pump. So we are going to expand that market where we actually are. We call those uh, multiple daily injectors coming over to a pump. That was a big part of our growth. And part of that dynamic was having the G6 with no finger sticks combined with our basal IQ. The product is simpler. It's far more effective. It makes insulin safe. And so we're expanding Uh, the marketplace. The other thing you just talked about awareness, Uh, we recently uh, released our clinical trial results at the ADA, the NIH clinical trial on control IQ. I've never seen a crowd that that big in my career here at Tandem. The, The awareness in the medical community was broad and widespread and we didn't have that with basal IQ. So Things like you surprised us, and I think uh, control like you will as well.
1: Okay, that's the, for people. That's the American Diabetes Association. It was a rather remarkable presentation, study. Thirty uh, percent of the 1.6 million yeah. people with type one in the United States. I, I was listening to Miles White uh, from Abbott. The actual worldwide population for type one is gigantic. Right? It's it's really a, a monster, unfortunate problem.
2: Yes, it is. And uh, the type one uh, part of this marketplace is also big worldwide. I think he may be talking type two or maybe combinations. But we're finding that at Europe, it's a very significant market for us. And we are, you know, gaining traction in that market as well. That's one of the drivers of of our upside and our revised guidance as well, Jim.
1: Yeah, okay, and then one last question. Uh, when you do talk about, you, there are, when you look at these new studies that you're doing, I'm trying to figure out what the, when you offer pivotal data, what's the time period from pivotal data to when it's in the market?
2: Well, it's the FDA gating timeframe, mm-hmm. and we're predicting we'll have approval this year, and then traditionally, How quickly could you launch that product? And normally it was a new hardware upgrade. With us, it's a software upgrade, so our launch would be almost instantaneous. I mean, that's one of the uh, advantages of our Tandem device updater that we talked about last time.
1: Well, that's terrific. This is, unfortunately, a terrible epidemic, and you've got something that really does work. Thank you so much, Kim Blickenstaff, Tandem Diabetes Executive Chairman. Good to see you, sir.
2: Good to see you.
1: This may be one of the situations where the stock is its own worst enemy. It's up so, so much that even when they blow out the numbers, nobody cares. But you know they're going to care again soon. Stick with Kramer. Uh, in last night's fabulous show, and thank you to the fabulous crew for making it look and feel great, I mentioned that you got to buy Symantec. I said that Rick Hill, the interim CEO, is terrific, and that this is just a fantastic situation. Uh, tonight, press reports that there might be a deal with Broadcom. I'm giving you permission to buy this one up to 23 and a half. Just because on an earnings basis alone, I feel what Rick Hill's doing in Symantec warrants 23 and a half. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll to find it just for you right here on my buddy. I'm Jim Craver and I will see you tomorrow!